Welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show, and thank you for joining me this Tuesday. Uh, we, we live in an imperfect world, also in an imperfect nation. Therefore, bad things happen and also good things happen. Some bad situations, we can control them, and they are inevitable. Therefore, we can try to stop them before it transpires. But other situations, we just have no control over. So when events happen like voter suppression and cyberbullying and school shootings and also like uh, a pandemic, when these events happen, we are usually more inclined to take action. We are typically ready to take action at that point, especially when this is something that affects us. And if it does not affect us directly and it affects us indirectly, we usually feel sympathy to take action. We usually feel very sympathetic to take action. For instance, when school shootings transpire, even if you yourself were not involved or even if you yourself were not in that building when that school shooting transpired, you are typically, you feel sympathy. You feel sympathetic for what has just transpired. Therefore, you want action to be taken on gun rights. Even though you were not the cyberbullying victim yourself, you want laws to be passed against cyberbullying. So if, if, if a situation affects you, affects you indirectly, we usually do feel more sympathy towards that person. And we usually feel enraged and want to take action. So we call up officials at the local level. Then it spreads to the state level. Then after that, it spreads to the federal level. And then it is nationally talked about. I mean, even if it doesn't get national press coverage or in the national media, it is still a situation that needs to be addressed. Some people even create petitions to get action done, to demand action for what has just transpired. NBC News has obtained an exclusive story. Uh, they have obtained the story about an immigration detention facility in Arizona. I'm going to get to that later on. But I want to begin with this. So here, here's a little recount. If you recall, back in 2018, uh, the Trump administration was separating children from their parents down at the southern border. It was just chaos. It was reprehensible. It's inconceivable what we were, we were seeing. One person even described the, the kids in the cages as, quote, dog, dog, excuse me, dog cages. That person saying there's no better way to describe it. They were wearing uh, aluminum blankets. It was just disgusting to look at that. I mean, and it was, I mean, it, those inhumane and draconian policies that transpired under the Trump administration are still transpiring to this day during a pandemic. And so back in 2018, House Oversight Committee Chairman uh, Elijah Cummings, which is now deceased, the Honorable Chairman Elijah Cummings, he talked about what was transpiring at the southern border and essentially demanding that DHS, that the DHS secretary at the time take action and get it together because this was wrong. You feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is it what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces, can't take a shower? Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. And I'm trying to figure out, and, and, and I get tired 
of folks saying, oh, oh, they're just beating up on the Border Patrol. Oh, they're just beating up on Homeland Security. Now, what I'm saying is I want to concentrate on these children, and I want to make sure that they are okay. I will say it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's not the deed that you do to a child, it's the memory. It's the memory. And so, in, and, and, I, and I told the head of Border Patrol the other day, I said, I want to know what's happening in the meantime. We are the United States of America. We are the greatest country in the world. We are the ones that can, can go anywhere in the world and save people, make sure that they have diapers, make sure that they have toothbrushes, make sure that they're not laying around defecating in some silver paper. Come on, we're better than that. Once again, that was the Honorable House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings essentially saying in that clip, also essentially expressing his enragement about what had just transpired and what the Trump administration was doing. It was inhumane, reprehensible, and unbelievable. But among other things, it was also gut-wrenching, especially what we are hearing from immigrants in those facilities, immigrants testifying, just, just sharing their testimonials with us of what was transpiring in those ICE facilities, the health conditions that they were forced to uh, sort of maintain and grapple with, the food that they were given, what transpired inside those facilities. Also, there have been reports of sexual abuse in those facilities that have transpired in May of 2018 from ProPublica. ProPublica has done some excellent reporting on that. But among other things, the testimonials from the immigrants inside those facilities gave us an insight on what had transpired. They gave us perspicacious information of what was transpiring inside those facilities. And, you know, a mother, she crossed the border and she and, and this mother, this mother did an interview of what what had transpired when she crossed the border. Gail King from CBS News asked her if she if she had if she ever thought that she would be separated from her from her children. This mother said, quote, no, I never imagined that would happen, end quote. So that was back in June of 2018. We are now grappling with a global pandemic that has already taken more than 122,000 lives here in the United States. According to the CDC, as I reported back a while ago, that according to the CDC, we would hit 130,000 deaths by October. But unfortunately, that inconceivable milestone may arrive sooner. So as I mentioned, we're going to report on an exclusive story tonight that really no one is talking about. And this story is at the southern border, courtesy to NBC News reporters Jacob Soboroff and Julia Ainsley. They have obtained an exclusive letter from migrants at the La Palma Correctional Center just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to read the full letter for you in just a sec. But being before I get into this article... I want you guys to understand, and also everyone should understand this, everyone should comprehend this, not just on, not just on like a U.S. level, but a sympathetic level, a human level. Although immigrants have crossed the borders into this nation, they are still people. Therefore, they deserve 
to be treated fairly. They deserve to be treated with equitable care. Although prisoners have done horrible things, and although people are in prison and mass incarceration is a problem in the United States, they are still humans. Therefore, they should be treated equitably. Same thing with nursing homes. They deserve to be treated equitably. But what has transpired at these migrant facilities over time in the Trump administration, the same things that these horrible things that have transpired under the Trump administration, these draconian policies against, I mean, for migrants in this country, it's just inconceivable and it keeps happening. It keeps coming back. And this one is gut-wrenching. I read this report, I've read this report, and I will tell you, it will, it is unsettling. It is disturbing. Here is the letter. Quote, so this is how the letter begins. Monday, May 18th, 2020. Quote, we are a group of citizens from different places who are in the immigration process currently detained at La Palma Correctional Center, 5501 North La Palma Road, Eloy, Arizona, 85131. Quote, we are fleeing the dictatorships in our countries and came to this country seeking political asylum. And what we have received is the deprivation of our freedom and the violation of our rights, which we want to report and make public through this document. We, the detainees, make the the public complaint of physical and psychological abuses, human rights abuses, prolonged detentions, abuses of power, bad nutrition. We're asking for your help because the situation worsens every day in this place. Being the only tank at this moment that is free of coronavirus, Mojave Bravo, according to what Creek Moore, the building manager, informed us. We're begging that any person from public or judicial, from the television, media, or radio, civil and human rights organizations be able to speak for us to obtain a remedy. Because she, excuse me, because the propagation of coronavirus in La, in La Palma Correctional Center is imminent, and our immigration cases are actually currently suspended. Our families and sponsors are extremely worried because of the spread of the propagation of the coronavirus within the, the La Palma Correctional Center where we are immigrants in asylum process who came here seeking protection for fear of being in our, our countries. Here in Mojave Bravo, there are Venezuelans, Cubans, Nicaraguans, Central Americans, Africans, Brazilians, Mexicans, Peruvians, Ecuadorians, Bangladeshians, excuse me, Bangladeshis, and Indians. End quote. So that is the opening of the letter. The letter has not concluded yet, but that is the opening of the letter so far. I'm about to read to you 26 grievances that that these immigrants, that these migrants are writing from this facility. 26 inconceivable, oh my gosh, makes you want to yell grievances from this, from these migrants at this facility. Brace yourself. Number one, quote, 85 of those detained in this tank have been detained here for longer than six months. There are several that have been here 8, 10, 15, and even 18 months in this, pro- in this process that is actually suspended without courts. Number two, there are detainees in this correctional center who have been here over 180 days and have only had two hearings. Number three, there are detainees with final court hearing dates that have been postponed on more than one occasion without reasons. Number four, 
a great quantity of the detained requested asylum through the Nodules, Arizona port, where they were accepted and then sent directly before a judge. And for some reason, they were not given a credible fear interview, resulting in the denial of their parole request. Number five, we are locked up like criminals four times a day in order to get counted. On occasions, the count time is violated. Number six, we have been locked up for, excuse me, we have been locked up at six, excuse me, we have been locked up at times for periods of three days without being able to shower or communicate with our families. The guards continue to show in and out of the tank, excuse me, the guards continue to come in and out of the tank and they are not wearing basic, basic protective equipment necessary for prevention. In the tanks, we are separated in groups of 120 detainees. So that was number eight. Here's number nine. Detainees all share the same phones. The cells continue to have two detainees in them with toilet inside of them and minimal hygiene. Cleanliness up noun is to is minimal and basic. Cleaning products continue to be basic and on the weekends we don't have any. For example, on Saturdays and Sunday we do not have toilet paper. No measures for social distancing to be possible have been implemented or any others that keep us safe and prevent the spread. For example, they make us stand in line in order to receive our meals and other hygienic products in a way that there is no social distancing. So that's number 11. Number 12. Since the beginning of the pandemic four months ago, we were given two disposable masks of very poor quality in the month of April after, begin after begging for them on after begging for them. On May 12th, we received two cloth masks, end quote. I want to pause there for a second. So you're telling me that they have received two disposable masks since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Do you know how far back that was? It goes back to like late, late, goodness, late January when Washington State started reporting their first coronavirus cases, and that's when they received the first two masks? Or if we're talking about when the coronavirus started becoming more prevalent and our epidemic here in the United States started spreading more exponentially and more widely, if they're talking about that, then that, go back, then that, that goes back to March, which means March, April, May, or they could be referring to February which is when a coronavirus outbreak, which is when CDC announced that a coronavirus outbreak here in the United States was inevitable, according to Politico.com. So February, March, April, May, that is inconceivable. I, I cannot believe that. So that, that one was number, number 12th, number 13, uh, quote, on the date, April 2nd, around 11 p.m., the, excuse me, around 11 a.m., the manager Creekmore offended all of the detainees on the cleaning crew with bad words and also threw the garbage can to the floor so they would proceed to pick it up and clean. The corresponding complaint was made, but nothing else was done. Everything that happened is recorded. This happened in the Mojave Bravo tank. End quote. Let's pause there for a second. So this guy, uh, the manager Creekmore, offended all of the detainees by using expletives. And he threw a garbage can to the floor, essentially forcing them to clean it up. Essentially forcing them to clean up this mess that he had just thrown. It was reported, but nothing was done. Nothing was done at all. Everything that happened, quote, everything that happened was recorded. Quote, the corresponding complaint was made, but nothing else was done. 
Why wasn't anything else done? This is a serious offense. You're using expletives towards migrants and throwing garbage down to the throwing garbage down to the ground like there are some janitors ju just supposed to pick it up. That's not their job. Goodness, they're trying to find freedom in this country, not come to this country and be treated like anything else but people, anything else but human. We are better than this. This is inconceivable. It continues. Number 14. Quote, on April 17th, all of the court procedures were suspended and they were reactivated on the 27th and the 28th of April. On the 29th of April, the courts were suspended again at 9.45 a.m., but taking everyone out of the building, and they continued suspended up until May 12th. And after asking the ask administration official, Marine and manager Creek Moore, they don't know when they will reopen. Quote, Number 15, they continue using the detainees as workers in the kitchen. It was the place where the coronavirus started spreading, and it got to the point of verbal threats, indefinite lock-ins, until May 15th when the kitchen was suspended. End quote. Why are detainees being used as workers of the kitchen? That is not their job. And why are you using verbal threats? Hmm. Number 16, quote, our meals are of very bad quality and are getting worse. For example, on May on Monday, May 4th, 2020, for dinner, we were given two slices of rotten ham and two portions of bread. We protested and all 98 of on all 98 of the detainees returned our meals and that day there was no dinner even though we showed them the rotted ham. Starting on May 15th until today, all three meals and sandwiches, excuse me, all three meals are sandwiches in a cardboard box which says consume within 4 consume within 4 hours or them excuse me, consume within 4 hours. On them, and from what the kitchen workers tell us, those boxes are sometimes stored for more than 15 days. End quote. Let's let, let's just pause there. So the box says consume within four hours. Those boxes are sometimes stored for 15 days, which means that food is rotten and it isn't is expired. So you're feeding migrants expired, rotten, disgusting food. What is going on? Quote, in addition to eating the same thing every day, it is becoming impossible for us to continue eating this food. Number 17, quote, La Palma Correctional Center. There are at La Palma Correctional Center, there are eight buildings that hold detainees in them. There are 24 tanks and 23 of those tanks are in quarantine due to infection with coronavirus. Mojave Bravo being the only tank that isn't infected in the entire correctional facility or the store, excuse me, or so the tank manager Creekmore told us on Friday, May 15th, 2020, and not the tank has entered into quarantine for our protection and to prevent infection. The building holds three tanks, all interconnected by air conditioning, ventilation and non-hermetic doors and if one tank gets infected it is only a matter of time before more fall on top of that on top of the fact that the guards from in the infected tanks enter the non-infected areas without taking any precautions hmm. on fact 18 
excuse me, number 18. On Wednesday, May 13th, the tank Mojave Alpha started quarantine after four detainees had coronavirus symptoms. After the infection was confirmed in the tank Mojave Charlie on that same day, the safety protocol where the guards who worked in the infected tanks have to wear a special suit was initiated, but Officer Marine entered more than 15 times without a suit and no security measures. Using only a face mask on that same day, he entered Mojave Bravo in an attack against our security. 19. An officer in conversation with two detainees in Mojave Bravo mentioned that ICE had a million-dollar contract with Core Civic and that they had that they had to respond for it, and that they have to respond for it. That is why they cannot release the detainees. This led us to believe that we are the merchandise and the object for negotiation. 20. This place is a concentration camp in which we can only wait for the worst. Since according to ICE, what, since according to ICE's website regarding coronavirus, there are 56 registered cases. They, excuse me, that conference, that information was published more than 10 days ago. We believe there are actually more than 70. 21. In Mojave Bravo on Sunday, May 3rd, they took a detainee out, out who was possibly infected on Wednesday the 6th. They returned him to the tank saying he was negative and 30 minutes later they took him along with all of his belongings. And after that they took, they took someone else who wasn't feeling well. End quote. You know, even as I read this again, I am still just astonished. The sec- the, actually, the third time reading this. First, I read it for just to read it. Second time, I read it for some comprehension. Third time, I read it for context and to put this into perspective and, and to articulate this of what was transpiring at this La Palma Correctional Institute. There are four more points here. Quote 22. Here in the tank, there are detainees who are derivatives of their spouses or parents who already won asylum a long while a long while back, and they are still not being released. Similarly, there are also people who won withholding of removal, and they have not been released either. Number twenty-three, there are detained there are detained who were separated from their underage children, and they have not been given communication with them for a period of eight months. On Friday, May 8th, no one wanted to go to the kitchen to work, so then Officer Marine came in threatening and defending the, decision, the detainees with bad words as a consequence of those threats. Some of the detainees protested against these actions, and they were punished and sent to the hole in the Zuni building. Whoa, what is the hole? And why is that a, a sort of a, like a retribution center? And once again, the expletives. Quote, which caused intimidation and fear in everyone else. Number 25, informing as well that it has been over 30 days that ICE does not physically come to the tanks. Instead, only through, the fo- only through phone calls once a week because of the virus, protecting themselves from it. On May 16th, Officer Norega was guarding the tank. Mojave Alpha entered at 8 o'clock p.m. and afterward at 10 o'clock p.m. with the same gear worn in the contaminated tank entered hours once again risking our lives end quote why would you come from a contaminated tank 
with that with those clothes on from that same contaminated tank to a non-contaminated tank and potentially affect those migrants in that particular area. Common sense. That's that just doesn't make sense there. Uh, so we've already we've already gone through the 26 grievances. Here is now a report from two Ecuadorians who work in Medical 3. Quote, May 6. We were called through the officer's radio to go clean the floors and the desk, and we were told to do it quickly so that we could go clean Medical 1. But then we were told to do it another day. After five days, which means it was on May 12th, we were called at 12.30 a.m., and we were turned around 2.30 a.m. that night. I was told to clean the floors, and this is too close to the sick people and also take out the trash from the nurse's office. The next night, which was May 13th, I was called again, but this time at 6.30 a.m., which was a Thursday. When we got to the med- when we got to medical three, the officer said things to me in English, and I didn't understand anything except the hand gestures, excuse me, except the gestures he was making with his hands, that he wanted me to clean the floor. Excuse me, that he wanted me to clean the door to a cell, and in there was a detainee with psychiatric problems, with a mattress on the floor, which is the only type of cover he has because they there aren't even any sheets, and inside that cell the walls are covered in the feces of that person and a very bad smell comes out of that slit in the door of that cell. I was not given gloves to clean with which I requested for myself and my coworker, but they didn't give them to us and they wanted us to clean that door with paper towels, but I grabbed the broom instead when I first saw the door. I thought they were grease, with grease stains, but it was dark, but it was a dark color. But when I sprayed it, the mess started dripping, and I was able to clean it with the broom. It smelled so bad, and for doing the job, they gave me eight pieces of bread and four milks. (sighs) Quote, another person in a different cell told me that the other detainee hadn't showered in a month. To me, that is torture, having a person in a state in those conditions. May 15th, quote, the same routine as usual. I was called to take out the trash, clean the desk. And when I was done, the officer went to ask the audience, excuse me, the officer went to ask the detainee with psychiatric problems for his mattress to change it. But he didn't want to give it to him. And he began insulting the officer. And he kept telling the officer he wouldn't give it to him because the doctor had given him the mattress. Then the officer opened the door a little bit and he got up and grabbed his feces and started throwing it out. We were scared as we were watching the situation. My head started to hurt and I went back to my tank. And 20 minutes later, they were called back. They called me back again over the radio and told me to go clean the floors and all of the mess that the detained and all of the mess that the detained with psychiatric problems has made. And the officer insisted that we go. And I told him, I told them that I didn't want to go because my head was hurting. Quote, we're begging you for help because this is a life or death situation. Our criminal records are clear. The only crime we have committed is coming to this free country in search of refugee and protection. End quote. Once again, this is from the La Palma Correctional Center. 
violation of rights. Quote, we, det- we, det- we the detainees make the public complaint of physical and psychological abuses, human rights abuses, prolonged detentions, abuses of power, bad nutrition. We're begging that any person from the public or judicial, from the television, media, or radio, someone, somebody, civil rights, civil or human rights organizations be able to speak up for us to obtain a remedy because the propagation of coronavirus in La Palma Correctional Center is imminent and our immigration cases are actually currently suspended. End quote. What has transpired here at this particular facility, what has transpired at this facility is inconceivable and is reprehensible. It's also nefarious that this event would even transpire. Action needs to be taken now. And so, as I said at the beginning of the show, a situation can indirectly affect you, but you still want to take action. This is something that does not affect me as a human being, but it makes me want to take action. And so, create create petitions. Call Arizona's state legislator. Call Arizona's governor. This is the time for action, and this is the time to do something now, because this is inconceivable. This is messed up, and action needs to be taken, because this is ridiculous. These are human beings here. These are human beings, and we as a nation, we as a country, even the state of Arizona, we are better than this. This is just... This is just gut-wrenching. We'll be right back. Hey, TGPS listeners. If you ever run out of episodes to binge on this podcast, then go listen to my other podcast called U.S. Presidents, where I talk about the presidential administrations from 1 through 44. And I also talk about those presidents and how it's intrinsic that we recall the history from back then and learn from it now as we are currently dealing with uh, a health crisis and also some other simultaneous crisis crises right now in the United States. On that podcast, I reflect on presidential history and reflect on the previous presidential administrations. And I also talk about where we are now and where we were back then. And I also express and divulge some of my knowledge with you. So once again, U.S. Presidents, it is a podcast about the presidential administrations from back then. And I'm moving my way up to now. Take a listen. If you recall on Sunday, I interviewed my uncle. I actually interviewed him on Saturday to talk about the president's campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, cases there are skyrocketing, rising through the roof, rising exponentially. Now, I asked him if Tulsa, Oklahoma could be a new COVID-19 outbreak. He said, absolutely. And so the president has left Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he has flew to Arizona, where there is a second, where Arizona is also a COVID-19 outbreak. I don't know if the president is deliberately choosing these places to see if he could get the numbers to rise exponentially, but this should not be the time to hold big, giant campaign rallies, especially as Arizona's COVID-19 numbers are skyrocketing, just going through the roof. I mean, Arizona reported today more than 35,000 coronavirus cases. Their hospitalizations are spiking. And this is where President Trump has already spoken today. I mean, eh, more than three mil, more, excuse me, more than 3,000 people gathered into this mega church, into this room to listen to the president of the United States speak. According to Forbes.com, quote, Arizona Department of Health and Health of Services reported Monday that inpatient inpatient beds, ICU beds, ventilators, and use of emergency room visit for suspected visits for suspected and confirmed COVID nineteen patients all hit their highest ever number this weekend. 
end quote. And this is where the president has spoken today. I mean, if you're trying to wreak havoc in any place of the country, especially in the middle of a pandemic, the best thing for you to do is to hold a big giant campaign rally there where more than 3,000 people sit crammed together, most of them without wearing masks. And so that's how you do it. That is how you do it. Even though as of Sunday, 82% of Arizona's current inpatient beds and 84% of ICU beds were in use for COVID-19 and other patients, the president still thinks it's a time to go to Arizona as cases there are going through their roof right now. Also, by the way, the, the, uh, also, by the way, the Arizona governor, Governor Ducey, he doesn't think you should wear a mask. He's like, mask. It's not a pandemic. Pandemic is, pandemic is over. It's behind us. That's why the president can hold a huge giant rally in a mega church where more than 3,000 people are sitting close together without wearing masks. Some of them are, some of them aren't. We are still in the midst of a pandemic here. Dr. Anthony Fauci testified to Congress today and he said, avoid avoid large mass gatherings. And that is exactly what the president did today. He He defied public health experts. He's been defying them this whole time the pandemic has begun, and the downplaying has cost lives. Actions have consequences, and this action that the president has taken will have a major consequence on the death toll in the United States as cases will continue to skyrocket, as people will continue to die, because the inconceivable leadership at the top of the federal government right now is just feckless and and incompetent and dangerously reckless. We'll be right back. Listen to the Jeremiah Patterson Show wherever you get your podcast and make sure to share it with your family and friends. Woo! Welcome back. On this episode, I talked about what was transpiring down at our southern border in in Arizona that was not being previously reported, but was reported to the, the courtesy of NBC News's great, excellent reporters on that great piece, uh, Jacob Soboroff and Julia Ainsley over at NBC News. I reported on that new, excuse me, on that reporting. I also reported on the president's uh, incompetent leadership right now, as we are still grappling and battling with a pandemic that has already taken more than 123 lives here in the United States of America alone. In more than 2 million cases, I have also talked about, among other things, you know, that that was actually it. So that was it. Uh, thank you for joining us on night one. This was an exclusive, TJPS exclusive. On night two tomorrow, we will discuss. I will discuss voter suppression, the coronavirus, racial inequality, and ICE detention facilities. So please be with us tomorrow for a night, TJPS night two. Thank you for being with us tonight. Have a great day. Remember to stay positive and inspired, and God bless.